interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The Michigan Football League's first and only talk show. Cut! Oh my God! Oh. Between the cones. Cut! Oh, now we're about to guard you. Watch out! Watch out! Begins now. Right side! Welcome back to Between the Cones. Another season upon us. Another season between the cones. This will be season three, episode one. Old Faces in New Places, part one. It's been a very eventful league off season. We are going into this next season with the most teams in league history with eight of them. We got eight important figures to interview. So in this part one, we're going to hit up the Blue Angels with Bryce Baumgart, the Sailors with Ali Baydoun, the new team, the O's, uh, looking like Denny, and uh, finally we'll finish out with the Phantoms and his speedy team with Ray Smith. So a very eventful show coming up here. Uh, lots of people to talk to, lots of deep questions to get into regarding the draft, regarding why people took who they took. So I look forward to breaking it all down right here on Between the Cones. Stick with us. Man, these end zone dances, they gotta go. They're disruptive, they're undisciplined. Papa John's pizza for Jerry Jones. Mm. Call Papa John's for pizza pie. Fresh taste so good, you can't deny it. it even makes Jerry Jones. This season, get a Cowboys Unlimited Combo for just $11.99. That's a large Papa John's pizza with unlimited toppings and a Pepsi 2-liter for $11.99. What? Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Welcome to the show. One of the oldest friends to the Between the Cones community. Restarting the once great Blue Angels, Mr. Bryce Baumgart. Bryce, welcome. I'm honored to be here. Happy to be here, looking forward to the season, and let's get this rolling. Let's get it rolling indeed. Now, Bryce, I got to ask some heavy-hitting questions, but I also got to ask some pretty fun ones. All right. So, we'll start with one of the fun ones. You picked third in this past draft. Uh, yeah. The Sailors and Grimsby picked above you. Uh, what was the debate at three? How did you land on Jaron Sennett? Well, the, the, the draft board, originally Jaron Sennett was – Always number one on the board. So we honestly weren't expecting him to be there at the third pick. We thought he was going two. But when he didn't go two, we knew, I knew right away, this is the guy we got to pick. Because actually, I only met him one time at the combine. And I was, I was the first one there. Jaron's there. And uh, I think Derek Watson was there too. So I just walk in. No one else is there. That was the day you were stuck in traffic on Sheldon. And then. <laughs> So I just walked in and I was talking to him. I was like, oh, yeah, because Nick told me he's an elite athlete. And then Matt Clearhout said he's a really good athlete. So, I mean, and then he ran a 4-7, so, and he was pretty good. So, I mean, he was a good character guy, so that's who we wanted. And then at the draft, you know, we had to make some uh, entertaining you know, we had to make it entertaining, go outside, waste the clock. That's good advertising. Good advertising indeed. Now, let's get into some of your other picks here. Um, you are a creature of habit, Bryce. I will say that. Um, but uh, you also brought back 70% of last year's Toads roster to your team this year. Um, the Toads team that was the most unsuccessful one in franchise history. They went three and five. We went three and five last year. Um, why return four members of that unsuccessful squad being yourself, Nate Kane, Ryan O'Gorowski, and Cody Bartos? Well, you know, I, I still got, I got trust in those guys, Cody, Nate, and Ryan, you know, brought them back. You know, obviously last year wasn't a good year. I think it was mainly because we didn't have great team camaraderie and team chemistry. You know, I think that's something we need to get going this year because, you know, we only play seven – last year, seven games, so you only see these guys seven times. 
So, I mean, it's hard to build that up, but that's what we're going to have to do. And having him play with him for a year, I think that helps out. And, you know, this year's going to be different. You know, different team, different players, different everything. So, you know, three and five, using that as some motivation for this year. Three and four, actually. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it around. From what you could tell, uh, just briefly, you know, through your phone and social media, did those guys seem excited to join the Blue Angels? Well, I th- yeah, they did. I mean, because there talked- was there was some draft drama with one of them. I mean, there wasn't really any excitement or any anything anything else. I mean, draft drama was with Nate because you know he's got a shoulder issue and he can only he, I, apparently uh, as of now he can only play QB. So uh, I mean, um, right now um, he's probably going to be the quarterback, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to make it official. But yeah, you know. He originally thought, you know, we got two quarterbacks on the team right now. Um, Evan can play QB. I can play QB. And even Sean can play QB. You know, he, he carved us up last year throwing yep, seven touchdowns yep. and no picks. Very good game. That was that was insane. So Nate thought, you know, I mean, you guys got – we got three quarterbacks already, and he can only play QB. So he was like, I mean, if I'm not going to play – is there any other team where I would start? And I was like, well, we can put you at quarterback. So then he said, all right, let's do it. But we'll see how the shoulder is by the, by the time we start playing. Hopefully he's better by then, can do a little bit more. But we're going to – we believe in Nate. We, can, we think he can get the job done. He's just got to protect the football. That's the most important part. He's got to protect the, the ball, not turn it over, and it'll be good. So that leads me to the next question here. Um, you kind of answer the second part of it, the what's the plan, but you do have, as you said, you have four quarterbacks rostered right now. Um, I believe you, Sean, and Evan, uh, three of those four have the experience to play quarterback. Um, are you guys just starting Nate so you don't lose him? Or are you starting Nate because you actually legitimately believe that he can lead the team? Well, I think the cool thing about all four of them, all four of the quarterbacks, is each one can play receiver at an elite level. Like, they all can play receiver at elite, an elite level. So, you know, we're going to put Nate there, for, and, you know, because we think he, he's the best option we got because, you know, I think I'm a better receiver than quarterback. I think Sean is too, and I, quite honestly, Evan probably is too. You know, we got some speed there, plus with Jaron out there playing receiver, and Caruso too. I mean, we got some – great receivers here and also we got four different options at quarterback so you know we got a lot of options to work with here so we got a lot of talent so now let's get into the hard-hitting questions here um there was uh we we can say issues uh leading up to the draft and uh immediately after the draft um with your co-captain evan good um can you shed any light on those issues? Are they still prevalent? Are they going to be an issue leading up to the season? Well, there, there will not. No, there's no issues. Um, there, there's the rumors, none. the rumors were that he was there, going to be, tra- yeah, the, he was going to be traded. The, yeah, the rumors. Like I, that's just all rumors because it's a media know, farce, is what you're saying. I would say it's a media farce. You know, um, everyone was thinking I was going to trade Evan, but you know, there was really nothing there to trade him. Like if we got like Ryan Land for Evan or Nick. I mean, yeah, obviously you got to take that. But I just think Evan's – he's a good competitor. Sometimes he may say some things that um, he shouldn't say, especially in the league chat. You know, him and Nick kind of go at it sometimes. But other – I mean, he's just got to – off the field, he, he can sometimes say some things over the phone that he shouldn't be saying. But, I mean, on the field, um, he'll be he'll be good. And – you know he's he competes, and that's what we're looking for. And he's just got to he's gonna he'll be a good teammate. So that's what we're gonna do. And yeah, so he's not gonna be no one's gonna be traded. By the way, I mean if, if there's any rumors about that, I mean it's all false. So so you can yeah. confidently say that Evan Good will be a Blue Angel come week one. Yeah, he'll be a Blue Angel unless he commits like a <laughs> like like a crime or felony. Then he'll, then he won't be. But 
I mean, but that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, I guess another media farce rumor that uh, was circulating was uh, you had showed some interest in um, newly retired Hudson Shields to come in and be quarterback. Uh, can you verify, debunk? Uh, was that ever a discussion in building to uh, release Evan Good and sign Hudson Shields as a replacement? Well, yeah, you know, at the uh, Caruso, you know, because you gave us the option uh, where we can basically get rid of Evan and put him, you know, on the free agency for a quarterback, Hudson Shields. I mean, Hudson's a great player, great quarterback. But then, you know, Nate is the guy. So bring if we brought in Hudson, Hudson's good. And that creates an issue with Nate because if he can only play QB, then that might be an issue. And, you know, Hudson, he wouldn't be allowed to play defense. So then we would be one less on defense. So someone would have to step it up. But, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. If it does, then that would be a real surprise. But I don't think that's going to happen. So the the pick of Michael Caruso was especially surprising, I feel like, for a lot of people. Just because you two have been competitors for so long on the field, um, you guys always haven't seen eye to eye. There's always been that level of, uh, of chirping uh, between you two. Uh, how did you land on Caruso at 15? And did you really see that as the threshold uh, for you guys to find that like second quality player in the draft? Yeah, you know, me and Caruso, we've been playing against each other for a lot of years. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've always had a rivalry going between us. Uh, but now we're on the same team. Caruso, great competitor, and we're looking forward to having him a part of the team. We'll be on the same team for the first time ever, which is going to be good. And, you know, I think it's going to go well. And, you know, we're excited to get out there, get ready to play. So one thing that comes to mind is this year throughout the league, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of splitting. There was a great uh, schism between the entire league um, regarding people that are familiar uh, with one another. Obviously, you saw it with Ryan Olet and Luke Every. Um, you saw it in other places uh, with Mike Mathias and um, Nick Downs. Um, the 69ers obviously splitting. There's a lot of breaking, a lot of different, you know, like different types of stuff. Um, the Toads, the Vipers as well, splitting into student basically two separate teams. Um, and what I'm asking is um, you didn't take that route. Uh, as we already mentioned, you took familiar Toads players that you played with last year. And we kind of talked about the downside of that. But what do you see as the upside to getting a second chance to kind of work with these guys and kind of form that team camaraderie, as you uh, stated? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, you know, playing with them for last year, I think that helps out. You know, we got experience playing with each other. And I think the unique thing about this whole league is every like everybody in this no like every game is a rivalry game like every like this is Plymouth Cannon every game because everybody you know hangs out with each other goes to school went to school together like this is like everybody knows each other so when they play each other it just adds you know adds to to the competitive level and like if you really think about every like this is everybody knows each other this isn't you know where you got kids from Lake Orion and wherever coming in and playing where they don't know who we, who we all are. This is every single team. People know each other. So they're going to be going up against each other and that's going to create some big games. And that's what the, that's the cool thing about this league. Well, Bryce, I think that the blue angels are a very underrated team. I think they're going to receive a lot of hate just because of some of the players on the team. Um, But I think you guys are, are primed for success this next year. Um, but you pretty much answered every single question I had. Yeah, you know, we're looking forward to getting out there and getting ready to go. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to playing with all my new teammates this year, and we're looking forward to week one. Uh, is there any chance that our listeners can get a quick preview on who you're going to be playing week one? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, they all know. Uh, just just like getting... a little hint, like a hint. Yeah, one player on their – One okay, one player on their team – you know, can't guard anybody, and his name's Joe Caselli. So, so, so there's a little hint there. We're playing Joe Caselli week one. And you want to buy it, by the way, I think Joe Caselli is, I think he's 
like two and 15 against me all time in any sport. So, I mean, I think we got the advantage in that one. Are you going to be ready to face down against uh, that mystery team that you just listed? The question is, are they going to be ready? Because we're going to be ready. Wonderful. Bryce Baumgart, everyone, the captain of the Blue Angels football team. Bryce, thanks for joining us uh, on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Go Blue. Whopper, 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 Junior, Double, Triple, Whopper, Flame Grill taste with perfect toppers, I rule this day. Lettuce, mayo, pickle, ketchup, it's okay if I don't want that impossible or bacon, Whopper, any Whopper my way. Joining the show now, another longtime friend of the program, Sailors Captain Ali Badoon. Ali, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So, Ali, you're about to kick off yet another season at the helm of the Sailors. You've had a lot of successful drafts. You've gone back to back to championship games, one won, one lost. Um, you landed the first pick, regardless of that. In a draft that I think personally is one of the more underrated ones of anybody uh, in the uh, in the league this year, so let's just start top to bottom. Uh, you picked number one. I viewed uh, five elite prospects down the board. I think you did too, but you landed on a familiar face, Ryan Olette at number one. Won a championship for you two years prior. What made that such a no brainer at one? Um, I had reached out. Um to him uh once i first pick and then obviously i attended the combines and i was just uh scouting and i saw a couple others that i could have taken at one along with ryan but i was talking with my fellow co-captain and i was just thinking back to um just the previous years and everything like that and what i want the team to look like in the scheme and how i want to carry this team and ryan Ouellette just checked all the boards he seemed very happy to come back and play for my team and knowing what his skill set is and what I can build the team around, he was the obvious pick for me right off the bat. Was there anybody else that was a discussion point at one? Um, Bryce uh, was another option, 100%. Um, I didn't feel as if there's any other like strong prospects, um, but um, it just it depend it it depended on what I wanted for the team and how I wanted to run the offense and defense. So the real other other option that was like, oh, yeah, I need him was Bryce, which you guys got at five. So then we move down the board, right? And you're sitting there at number 11, a pick that was heavily mocked, Luke Every, uh, another familiar face with you. But then he goes at the board at 10. What's yeah. going through your mind at that point? Uh, you know, when you're on the clock at 11, yeah. Obviously, a major target of yours is off the board, one pick prior. Uh, was that a shock to you? How did you kind of regroup and, and make that pick? You know, in in the moment, I was shocked quite a bit because I did not expect Grimsby to take him there. Um, in that, I mean, I found out later on in the draft why they had taken uh, Luke, and there was a good chance he was going to fall. But there were some unexpected picks beforehand that led to Grimsby telling me that they had to take him. So... Previously, before the draft, obviously, I knew Charlie. Him and I have known each other since high school. We've had classes together. We've been cool together. And when he showed up to the Combine and I knew he was a prospect, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I know what he's capable of. And he was 100% like, I was trying to get him in the third round. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, after the draft, I realized I couldn't take him there. So when Luke was gone, it was like five seconds of like, shit, Luke's gone. What can I do? But then I'm like, it's an easy pick. It's a no-brainer. I know Charlie. I know what he can do. I have a backup plan. I came prepared. Easy pick right there. So you go all light at one. You go Godman at two. How do you think that Godman is going to complement um, Ryan Olette's uh, kind of abilities, uh, like speed, just shiftiness as a receiver, with Godman's size? So knowing what Ryan can do, he can run the quick route. He can run the deep ball. He has excellent hands. He knows what to do on the offense. Charlie, on the other hand, more like a tight end. He can run a mid route. He can, you know, he can catch those quick passes. He can win those contested catches. He has great hands as well. And just his big body and his ability to win those physical catches 
it was a no brainer for me. So we fast forward and you're kind of not picking for the next 10 picks, a uh, large fall, um, kind of like how it was between uh, number one and number 11. Now you're going from 11 to 21 and you take someone who uh, was really a massive question mark for a lot of people uh, with Blaine Marks, um, somebody who got the benefit of the doubt with his combine date um, uh, being snowed out. Uh, what did you hear or see from Blaine Marks that made you comfortable making him your third round draft choice? So when we were approaching the pick, um, Ryan Olette was talking with me and he was uh, trying to find the next prospect that we could look at. There were a few options I was looking at, but as t- time was moving on and picks were being taken, our options became slimmer. But then uh, Ryan and I were talking and we looked at Blaine and we noticed that he played at CC, which is already like, uh, we should look more into him kind of thing. And I tried looking at what I could from him and what I heard from uh, fellow people around me and people I knew. And I took the chance on him because of what I heard. I heard that he's a solid football player. He played um, with um, uh, Jaron, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. The guy took at one. He also played CC football with Jaron, which is already you know a solid point right there. I was like, oh, shit, should look into him some more. Mm-hmm. And from what I heard all around, he's a solid football player. And as I was reaching out to him around that pick, he was more than happy to play for the team. He was excited. And ever since I picked him up, he's been vocal, and he's been uh, – very interactive with the squad, which I'm happy about. So that pick worked out greatly. So the previous two years that you've drafted the Sailors team, you found those diamond in the roughs. Uh, the first year, it was Luke Every. Last year, it was uh, Jaden McLeod. Uh, I think a lot of people look and see Blaine as a possible another diamond. Do you see that as the case? 100%. Based on like what I like processed after the draft and what uh, he can apply to my team, I'm more than happy that I landed him. I think he was a, big, a major steal now that I think about it. So I'm, we'll just have to wait to see if it pans out, but I'm sure it will. So let me fast forward, and I kind of was – I circled uh, 10 value picks throughout the draft uh, when preparing for the show. You had two of the 10 uh, with Godman at 11. And the second one was at 31. Uh, it was Dylan Brown, who's a vet quarterback in this league. He's been around for a long, long time. He's an old man with long hair. Um, And when I think about Dylan, I think about experience and how dependable he is, Um, which is big because I feel like your team is going to depend on him a lot this year. Take me through the process of how Dylan became QB1 on your board and on your team. So going into the draft or like before the steps following up to the draft, I was talking with Ryan Zare about it a lot. And Obviously, him and Dylan are very close. And Ryan Zer was telling me, he's like, hey, I know Luke's your QB1. I know you want to go for him. But what's going to happen if he doesn't, if he falls through? And I'm like, what do you think? And he was talking to me about Dylan. And I did talk to Dylan on the side. Um, and he seemed very excited to play for my team. He's like, if I want to fall to any team, it wants to be, I want it to be your team. And I knew that if Luke fell through, Dylan had to be the target because my next step was, and I did that, was surround the offense, load the offense up, and then give him no reason to fail. He's got his picks, or he's got his players. He's got the offense that he's going to run, and I know he has the ability to do it. And Dylan has been with me every step of the way after the draft. He's been talking to me about workouts that he's going to be doing. He's talking about plays we should run, and he seems very excited to play. And that's the exact thing I wanted for this team. So I'm very glad that you know, I took him at 31. I do not regret it at all. Out of all the players that you drafted, do you view Dylan as kind of the most important piece of the puzzle here, considering that he will be playing uh, one of the more important positions? You basically said it uh, right there. Is he's playing one of the most important positions. And obviously, I have to put all the faith in him because no matter how well Ryan Ouellette is, no matter how well, you know, Charlie Godman is, that quarterback needs to be a solid-ass quarterback. And I do trust him with, with everything right now. He has given me no reason to doubt him at all. And I feel like he's going to surprise a lot of people this year. What makes you so certain that Dylan can return to form as uh, one of the league's premier quarterbacks? Last year, um, it goes back to last year. I know he didn't play much quarterback, and I think that was his mistake there. Um, but at the same time, uh, I have been talking with him a lot 
And goes back to what I said about what he's doing this year. He's keeping me updated about certain workouts he's going to be doing. He's practicing his throws. And when I did first come into the league, when he was playing quarterback, I feel like there were some things that I noticed that he could work on. But the one thing I did see from him is he remains calm under pressure. And he knows how to throw an accurate ball. And if he can get back to that, which I think he can, that is literally all I need from him. And if he can get that knocked down, he has those receivers that will help him succeed. If he gets back to that accuracy, which I think he will, he will work out just fine. And then um, I kind of know the answer to this next question, but you fast forward four picks to 35. Ryan Hines is still on the board. Hines, he's been in the league for a long time. I think he's criminally underrated. Uh, he's pretty solid in every aspect, every position on the field. Um, what made you want to pull the trigger on Hines as your uh, as your fifth draft pick there? So Hines actually reached out to me about like four months before the draft. And him and I, even though we weren't on the team, uh, on the same team last year and last season, uh, him and I grew a little bit closer. Uh, every time I we'd be at the games, he'd always, you know, talk to me and, you know, uh, ask for advice or, you know, just like try and keep up with whatever's going on. And literally like a couple months after that season ended and fast forwarding, Every so often, he would text me. He's like, hey, you know, I'd love to be on your team or be a co-captain, whichever it is. You know, he's, uh, you and I, you know, feel like we could work out together. And the more I thought about it and the more that pick was approaching, I know a lot of people would have like glossed over him. And what he brings to the table, he wasn't really used last year, but what he can bring to the table is that safety position, um, depending on matchups, of course. I feel like, like you said, he's criminally underrated and he can be huge support to that secondary. Um, that pretty much crosses every single question I had. Is there like a general message you want to send? Cause I can't help but feel like the sailors, even this early on uh, in the off season, um, once again, kind of being slept on, um, among the league base. Is there anything you want to touch on that about? I mean, it's funny because I think you asked me something like that last year and the year before based on, you know, preseason rankings, such like that. I'm used to it. Um, I expected it, but the only message I can say is what happened to this team the last two years. We made the championship. Whatever BS you want to say that we got gifted the first one, sure, go for it. But at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing, and I've kind of learned over the last few seasons, you know, I'm going to just – I really don't care what anybody else has to say. We're going to put it on the field, and yet again, we're going to show why eventually we're going to be pretty high in the rankings towards the end of the season. Well, that is fantastic. Ollie, thanks for joining us. I'm sure that we'll uh, touch base at least one or two more times before the season. Um, but thanks for joining us on the show here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Can't wait to talk again. I have just one query. Want a Sprite Cranberry? Uh-huh. The answer is clear. It's the thirst, thirstiest time of the year. Sprite, let's go. Dig in her monologues. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, look, a filet of fish just sitting here in my mind being all delicious. Hey. That's my sandwich. What? How did you get in my inner monologue? Doors open. Give it back. Man, get your own invisible sandwich. Any day is a great day for a filet of fish sandwich. And right now at McDonald's, you can get two filet of fish sandwiches for only $3.33. For a limited time only, prices of participation may vary. We are now joined by O's, Executive Vice President and General Manager, Mr. Denny Sokol. Denny, thanks for coming on the show today. No problem, Jack. No problem. So, Denny, let's dive right into this. Uh, your team, the O's, uh, you guys had a very interesting draft. Um, you made some moves, um, sliding down the board in the first round. Uh, you gave up your second round going up to get Joey Coppola's 
What intrigued you about uh, adding Joey to the mix of uh, Dylan Fleming and Lawson and Avery Zatterly? I think having the mix of Joey and Dylan gives teams a reason to like not double cover Dylan. And because I know Dylan is our best receiver and adding Joey to the mix just makes it more difficult for the opponents to guard our offense. So your team this year, um, you guys pretty much spawned off of last year's championship team, the Vipers, obviously yourself, Lawson Shields, Avery Satterley, Dylan Fleming, all coming from that championship tree. Do you guys want to kind of ride the momentum of last year's championship with the Vipers into this next year, or is this a completely different team with new expectations? Oh, we're definitely riding off the championship last year. That's definitely the expectations this year is to win another championship and go back to back. So, yeah. So one of the interesting things about that sixth overall pick to me, and I think a lot of people is I think a lot of people from the outside looking in looked at your pick in the bottom half of the first round and thought you were going to add one more Viper to that mix with receiver Matt Yeager. Um, kind of walk me through, why did you guys uh, pass on uh, Lawson in this draft? You mean Matt? Or uh, Matt Yeager, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the plan initially going in like a week before the draft was to keep the core together, and that was to bring Matt Yeager in with the eighth pick. And then as it got closer to draft day, I started going over guys, looking at like combine stats and stuff like that. And my mind just kind of changed going in and felt like at the draft, I, I had to take, make a move. Um, I know one of the people that you were very interested in in this draft was Bryce Mandelka. Um, like how panicked was the war room or if not at all panicked, um, what, you know, what was the general feeling after he went off the board at five, right before you, uh, your pick at six? Yeah. So, um, once the Jack Lopes took Bryce, that's when it went, it went to panic mode and I was scrambling as the time the clock was ticking when I was trying to make my pick and it was stressful, very stressful, but I saw Joey and. I liked Joey going into the draft and decided to take him with the sixth pick. So then we slide down. Um, obviously, you guys don't have that 12th pick anymore, or that 16th pick, pardon me. Um, you slide down to your pick in the third round, very high one, uh, number 18. You decided on John Delaney. Uh, this was someone who was very interesting at the Combine to, I think, a lot of captains. Uh, what do you foresee his role being for this team as a very highly touted third-round rookie? So John's role, that pick, I didn't know much about John going into the draft. I know Lawson played on, played football with him at Salem, so he knew more about him, and he said he was pretty good. He could do a lot of good things for the team, and um, the plan for him is to have uh, Avery and John kind of switch out at receiver and probably put John out back at safety for on defense. And then we fast forward. You guys don't have another pick for a little bit until the end of the fourth round. And you guys took someone who slid big time in this draft. Uh, Joe Caselli, a once uh, you know defensive player-esque type, kind of fell off a little bit last year. But you guys scoop him up at 32. I know this was an interesting pick for you guys, given the shared history uh, between you know him and, I mean, I should say virtually everybody in league, but um, some certain guys on your team in particular, as far as uh, the talk goes. Um, what made you want to pull the trigger on Joe at 32? So me and Lawson were sitting on the draft table and we were just naming guys off and we're like, let's take him. And then all the guys we were naming were going, they were kept going and going and going. And we're sitting there at 32, and I'm looking at the players that are still available, and I am I see Joe, and I felt like he was best available for 32, and I felt like that was a good pick. What do you see Joe's role being? Just keep him on defense, a little bit of both uh, mixed in with the offense. 
Um, cause obviously he's someone who still has talent. He's, he's a vet in this thing, a lot of history. Um, what do you kind of see his, his role being with the O's? Oh, he's going to be mixed in both offense and defense. I like how I know he can go out there and run a route and catch a football if he needs to. And I know he's a pretty good defensive player. Um, and then finally, pick 42, Jonah Fitzgerald. Um, this is, I think I know the answer to this question, but, uh, you know, Jonah hung around last year with the Vipers on the sideline. Uh, is he a culture pick or is he someone that you see contributing? He's a culture pick, but he can also contribute. I've known Jonah for a while. That's my guy. Love that kid. And I definitely have plans for him playing and contributing to the team. So this was your draft. Obviously, Lawson was in the room with you, but as far as who was pulling, the, you know, pulling the trigger, shooting the shots, it was you. Yes, I was. I was made the trade. I made majority of the picks, and yeah. And how confident do you feel with the picks as a whole? Oh, I feel so confident with the team. One hundred percent. I feel like we're being really kind of underestimated going into the year, and. I like the underdog feeling. I mean, as far as returning three or no, not three, four former champions to a team, I think this is the most um, lackluster as far as hype goes. I've ever seen a team coming back in the next year. Yeah, going into the like offseason draft and then getting the team, I felt pretty good. I felt like we had one of the best teams coming into this season because – of just all the returning Vipers from last year, Dylan Fleming, Avery Lawson, myself. Like, yeah, I didn't contribute much to the Vipers on the field, but I contributed a lot as the uh, team mentality way went. Oh, of course. Last year to the team. Of course. What would you say the team identity is going to be this next year? What, like, what did you want to build this team on? Oh, we, we're going to be, oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to be the um, – so going – right now I feel like we're underdogs. So I feel like a lot of teams just look at, the like, some of the picks we made and like, okay. But we're going to be – we're going to be some trash talkers. Mm-hmm. Like, adding Joe, you no, know, he's a trash talker. Um, myself, I like to talk and then – we're going to let our game do the talking for sure because I know a lot of our players are very, very good. And um, that's pretty much it. We're, we're going to be a little physical, not too physical, but we're just physical enough. Yeah. Get the job done. Yeah. Um, word on the street is that uh, your guys' week one game is going to be against um, a, another group of, um, of talkers. Uh, with the uh, Blue Angels, that's the that's the current word on the street. Looking forward to, and obviously you can't deep dive too much into it. How do you feel about that as a potential matchup for Week One? I, no disrespect to the Blue Angels, but I I don't think they're that great of a team going into the year. I think it'll be a cakewalk for us. Cakewalk. Cakewalk. I think we'll probably win by thirty plus thirty plus points. Wow. Calling the shot right here on the show. I mean, it will definitely be it'll be a game to watch. That's for sure. Oh, uh, looking at the field this year, just the general league field, who really stands out, and who are you kind of? Uh, obviously, you already told me which team you're kind of not really worried about with the Blue Angels, but which ones are you worried about? Which ones are you not worried about? List them off. Give it to me. Jackalopes. I'm definitely worried about the Jackalopes. Um, especially with Bryce Mandelka and trying to guard him. I don't really got the height on the, the O's, so it's going to be a little difficult to try and guard him, try and guard you. You guys have a lot of height. Nick Downs at quarterback, obviously. Those lasers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dogs, another team that I'm a little worried about. And then those are really the two ones that I'm worried about. The Grimsby. I'm a little iffy on them, not really mm-hmm. sure. Um, I know they got the North Star, so they a, little, do. a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
Um, the Hoosiers, I think the Hoosiers suck. If I'm being completely honest, Jade, Jade McLeod's team. You think you think they suck? Yeah, I think they'll be the worst team in the league at the end of it all. And then the Sailors, um, Ali, um, Ouellette's good. He's a great player. Um, not so sure on Dylan Brown at quarterback for them. And I think we'll beat them pretty handedly like we did in the championship last year. And I'm not really worried about them. Um, who am I missing? Phantoms. They're a good team. They're, they're going to be a they're, threat. They're going to be a threat. They're another one I'm a little worried about, especially with Ray and his speed and he could do it all out there. And yeah, I mean, you Cole, know, first I'm big with, I'm big on Cole Fleming as a quarterback. I love Cole. Oh, I me think, too. This, this show Cole's is an gonna, ally to Cole Fleming at quarterback. I think Cole's going to have a good year and really shock some people. I, I agree with you fully. He is um, the most hated upon quarterback in this thing. Yeah, he easily. He was hated last year by the Sun Laws. Yeah, I know that he was team very, very was disrespectful. Yeah, I know. Now you got two of those, uh, two of those guys running the Sailors, so that'll be a little bit of a revenge game for Cole Fleming. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So real quick, as we kind of uh, fold out, uh, want to bring this back to the O's. What is an O? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to ask this. So right, o? right here on the show, what is it? So I'll go back in history. So the O's okay, come yeah. back. They go back to 2017. Okay. I was making my NBA 2K17 my team. And I just wanted to start. And I didn't really want to go through the whole process. So I quickly made a name. And it turned out that I made them the Anaheim O's. Ah. And it, then it went to... NHL 17, EASHL, and we admit that it was our team name, and it's been – it's just stuck ever since. So an O is just an O. So there's no deeper meaning, no no anything like that. It's just it's just from, from that. Yeah, it's just an O, like the All letter right. O. I think a lot of people are curious, so yeah. that makes sense. So, all right. Well, Denny, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having um, me. Denny Sokol of the O's. Just the O's, nothing more than that. Denny, I look forward to talking with you as the season goes on. Yep, O's faithful, let's ride. Hi, this is Paul Schmidt, wide receiver for the Vipers, and I'd just like to take a moment to thank today's sponsor, Ace Bandages, for helping keep our players as healthy as possible throughout the long, grueling season. Go Vipers! Join the show now, Phantoms extraordinaire, quarterback, receiver, uh, Ray Smith. Ray, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. How you doing, Jack? So let's deep dive. (laughs) For sure, man. Hey, let's let's deep dive into your team. Um, Your team, I mean, from the outside looking in, everybody looks at it as a very successful draft. And I think a big part of that is you took calculated risks on speed. And one of those risks on speed that you took was Mike Mathias with the fourth overall selection in this draft. When did you really decide on Mike at that four slot? Um, truthfully, um, he was kind of my first option. Um, I'm familiar with him. Um, I know his work. Um, I really thought he was going to get taken at the third pick. So uh, when I see he was available, um, I had to take him. Um, so we look forward in the draft here, and you actually dealt up to uh, the ninth overall pick, took Kamari Pearson, traded with Jaden McLeod of the Hoosiers, got up there, got him. When looking at Kamari at the combine, what made you say, you know what, this is a guy that's worth trading up for? Um, you know, with me being a football player, you can tell – you know, who actually plays the sport and understands the sport, you know, the ins and outs of route running and leverage and things of that nature. So, uh, off the first step, I could tell, you know, he was a baller. So, uh, I was shocked to see that um, Jaden didn't pick him up with a seven pick, and um, I was able to convince him that I wasn't going to take him. And um, <laughs> I throwed him with the mic, you know. <laughs> and that's all it is to it. 
sitting there in the I draft room, looking at Jaden, making that trade, and then having you go up there and take his guy. It was hilarious. It was fantastic. And it was totally unexpected. That was the best thing about it. Um, even, um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think I would be I – I thought I would be able to convince him. But like I said, I was shocked he didn't take him with the seventh. You know, I thought he was sold on, you know, picking him up with the seventh pick. Um, we talked a little bit before the draft, so I had an idea of some of the guys he want. But um, luckily I was able to convince him to um, put Kamara on the spot. So looking at these first two picks with Matthias and Pearson – these are guys who are very, very similar um, to your own game. So it begs the question, what do these guys bring that the Ray Smith doesn't already bring to the table? Um, we all bring something good. I think we're all, you know, good two-way players. You know, and the first thing you think you mentioned earlier is our speed. But speed, speed can take you far, but we're actually skilled players at the game, you know. Mm-hmm. We actually understand the game. We can actually – there, Jack? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying, we're all good two-way players. Uh, even though we're all similar, we feed. I feel like we can feed off each other, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, with me, the first thing you see is the speed and the juke. But I got an arm on me now. Don't don't let the, the speed and the finesse, you know, <laughs> blind you of the other talents. But I, I'm pretty sure we'll match well. So that actually brings me to the next point here. Um, uh, it, it was the question of who is going to be QB1. And I assume that you're going to take that role. <laughs> uh, you never know. You know, it's um, you know, like I know we um, picked up Cole Fleming. You know, I was teammates with him last year. Yep. And a lot Great of people guy. get the – oh, yeah, of course. A lot of people, you know, assumed I just pushed Cole to the side and said, you know, I'm a Q, but – me and him, we, we get along well. You know, it was a lot of times I asked him, you know, do you want to do it? Or, you know, I'll throw if you want me to. You know, it really doesn't matter. But in terms of our QB, you know, it'll, it'll be a um, game time decision. And um, whoever we have in there, you know, we got the playmakers around us for them to be successful. So mm-hmm. I, it really doesn't matter who our QB is. We, we're stacked. Do you foresee Cole Fleming having a role or playing quarterback this upcoming season? Um, yeah, I most definitely see that in his role. Um, like I said, uh, we're, we're a stacked team. I, I feel like whoever is our quarterback, I built the team around, you know, for them to be successful. We got the weapons. You now it's just about showing up and showing out. That's my only concern with us. So I feel like when you guys have, like you were talking about, these skilled football players who know the game, um, it can rather it can either go you know either way between uh, being an offensive dominant team or a defensive focused team, and obviously the goal is to be both. But if you had to like kind of pinpoint one area, whether it be you know skillful on offense or hard on defense, what's the one kind of identity that you guys want to have? Um, the one identity. Um... Whoever we're going against, they're going to fill us. Uh, they're going to fill us offensively and defensively. Uh, I wouldn't say we have a main vocal point. I just feel like with the talent we have, it's going to come naturally. It's, it's not really going to matter what our focus is, you know. Um, like I said, I feel like as long as we all stay committed and show up, uh, everything else is playing into place. So kind of looking at the rest of your draft here and how it played out, Obviously, you had a long drop-off from that nine pick until your upcoming pick, 20 picks later, at that 29 slot where you took Sawyer Hint. Uh, What do you kind of see Sawyer contributing to this team? Um, I see him at the um, combine, I believe, day two. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's not a a football player, but just him going out there and running on the routes. And he ran in in gym shoes, and he ran them pretty efficiently. So I I like what I've seen in – he got the he got the hustle and the stamina, so I think he's going to be a good um, contributor to the team, you know, whichever way that is. And then obviously we already talked about Cole Fleming at that thirty-seven slot. The one thing that I see when I look at your team is I see a team that's incredibly efficient at being versatile. And what I mean by yeah. that is I think that a lot of your guys that you took can play virtually anywhere. Can you explain to me just how important that is to have that kind of versatility, especially in this league? 
Um, it's very important, you know, definitely giving the stipulations of the league. That's why, you know, even after I made the pick with um, Kamari, you know, I'm at the Jazz. People said, who's the quarterback? Who's the quarterback? You know, they're worried about the wrong thing because we're going we gonna to put up the scoreboard, you know, do what we got to do as long as we all stay committed. So, like you said, we're all versatile, so we don't really need a, a, a state a permanent quarterback, you know. And it's a very, it seems like a very um, unselfish foundation that you're trying to build there. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I'm familiar with Matthias, and uh, he's not the type of arrogant, I guess you could say, person. So mm-hmm. I know we'll mesh well and feed off each other's talent, you know. Um, and Kamari, I'm not familiar with Kamari, but when I've spoken to him, he seems the same way. So I'm pretty sure we'll all mesh well and get along. And going back to Mike, I feel like a lot of people knew the talent of Mike Mathias. It's well documented. But I think that his, uh, I guess you could say, slide in the draft a little bit is because a lot of the captains didn't know if he was going to come and play and be reliable like you were talking about. That's very important. Um, So I guess that leads me to my next question is, what is Mike's thoughts about being drafted there? Do you see him as someone who's going to be committed? Um. Honestly, if I'm being honest, that was my main concern about it. You know, just you never know if guys will actually show up. You know, mm-hmm. you know they got a life outside of this. But like I said, with his talent, I had to take him. Um, I spoke to him right after I drafted him, and uh, it was all good, all good conversations. Nothing that made me regret my pick. So I'm gonna leave leave it at that. Well, excellent, Ray. That's everything yeah. I got for you. I look forward to uh, to talking with you on uh, on future shows as we get uh, closer to the season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. And uh, if you want, I didn't get to face you last year, man. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Hey, man, fingers crossed. That's uh, It's going to be hype. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Ray Smith, GM, Captain Extraordinaire of the Phantoms. Ray, thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you. This is MFL Hall of Famer and four-time league champion, Owen Fleming, wishing you a very happy 2023 league football season. Go Toads, everybody. Welcome back. We still have four more teams to interview, four more teams to deep dive in. That's why we split this episode into two separate different parts. So we will touch on those other four teams when we return for part two. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Always appreciate it. And uh, thank you.